Hello, and welcome to episode 180 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Shannon M., Kayla M., and Daniel D. to The Modern Manager community. Members get access to a variety of resources like episode guides, guest bonuses, which include discounts and free giveaways, our members-only Slack community, where you can ask questions and share your advice with other managers, plus episode transcripts, and a members-only podcast feed that has extended interviews and none of these messages about becoming a member. Learn more and sign up at themodernmanager.com slash join. Now, today's guest is Rachel Pacheco. Rachel is the author of Bringing Up the Boss, a faculty member at the Wharton School in the Management Department and a startup advisor. Rachel and I talk about what management actually is, and then we get into some of the most common areas that managers struggle with like setting clear expectations, giving constructive feedback, and motivating team members. And then, of course, we talk about what you can do to develop these skills. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rachel. First, I have to say a big shout out to prior guest, Karen Weeks, who is the person who connected us and suggested you as a guest. So thank you to Karen. And secondly, I want to say I love, love, love your book. I feel like even though it was maybe written specifically for new managers, it is just so, um, so much good stuff that is appropriate for managers at all levels across the board. So if I haven't, if I don't say it enough during the episode, I want all my listeners to hear, this is an amazing book and you should totally read it. It's called Bringing Up the Boss. Thanks, Amy. That's great. Yeah, I appreciate appreciate the praise. Okay, so let's jump in here and just talk about what is management? Because this topic is huge and it's so big. I mean, the topic of the podcast is managing people. So there's a lot in there. How do you think about all of the different pieces and what it means to be a manager? I love I love how you said all of the different pieces because what I found in wanting to write this book and then starting to write this book is a lot of people say, a lot of executives and, and leaders that I've worked with have said, hey, teach my team management or can you do a management training or we're struggling with management and my immediate response to them is, well, what part of management? Because it's made up of a whole bunch of different things, to your point. It's how do you motivate someone well? How do you give constructive feedback? How do you have difficult conversations? How do you think about hiring? How do you think about firing? So what I try to do is break down a whole bunch of these different components of management and, and help people build these specific skills. And I think of management in three big categories, um, you know, a whole bunch of skills within each of those categories. The first is managing an individual. So how do you motivate? How do you set expectations? How do you give feedback? The second, I think about managing a team. So when we go from one to two to four to five, team dynamics and managing a managing team dynamics is a slightly different beast. And weird things happen when you're managing a team. So things like group decision-making, how do you hire a team of individuals that can work together? How do you think about setting the right team foundation? 
And then the last part that I don't think is emphasized enough when we talk about managing is how do you manage yourself? And when you make the jump from individual contributor to manager, again, a whole bunch of things come into play. There might be imposter syndrome. Uh, there might be this feeling of, I have to show huge amounts of confidence in front of my team. How do I think about myself when I'm now managing someone that might be older than me or might be a friend? So the last kind of big category that I, I talk about uh, and write about is, is managing yourself. So those three big categories of managing an individual, managing a team, and managing yourself. I love the way that you have broken down management into these like very clear categories that each then contain this specific set of skills, right? It's much easier to figure out where we're struggling and where we need to invest if we have some sort of framework to be looking at as opposed to like feeling overwhelmed by all of the things that managers have to do all the time and like feeling like we're just like treading water and just trying to keep our head above water. So are there particular places that you think are or you've seen to be the most common areas that managers or especially new managers maybe struggle with when it comes to either managing individuals, managing a team or managing themselves? I would say, and in, in, in to your point, this, this book was started as a, a love letter to new managers. But what I found is, you know, many, many managers suffer and struggle, including managers that have been managing a long time, um, because often we aren't given the tools or the training to, to be great managers. So I would say from both the new manager and the established manager, people often struggle with the fundamental basics. And if I had to pick my top three basics that uh, managers struggle with, I would say the first is setting really clear expectations in articulating what you want and what you need from your team members, from your team, how your team operates, uh, and being really clear about those expectations. The second is giving constructive, frequent feedback. So when the expectations aren't met or someone's performance is lacking, being really good at giving effective feedback is critical to being a great manager. And it's hard for people to do. And then the third, I would say, is how you motivate individuals in, in how you tailor your uh, approach to motivation based on the individual's unique motivational needs. So I would say the most important aspects of being a manager, being a great manager, and what people struggle with are setting clear expectations, giving effective feedback, and motivating effectively as well. Yeah, those are definitely three very important things for managers to do. I want to go into each of these. So starting with expectations, there's a section in the book about goals and the kind of double-edged sword that goals can be and how in, there's expectations and then there's goals and those aren't always the same thing. So can you say more about just goals in general and then thoughts you have about how to set good expectations with your team? Goals, I find that we rely on goals so much as kind of a shorthand for 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 managing. We think, okay, let's let's spend let's spend a, a you know let's have a workshop or let's have a offsite to set company goals and let's set team goals and let's set individual goals. So we do do a ton of goal setting, um, but that goal setting isn't necessarily effective. And 
the downside of, of setting ineffective goals is that we set too many goals and our teams don't know where to focus and don't know how to prioritize. And also when we set goals, it might make our team members myopic and they might be so focused on hitting a goal that they don't see other things going on around them. And it's, it's hard to pivot because there's such a, you know, a, a specific attention and, you know, prioritization of, of, of hitting this one goal. So I think goal setting when done effectively um, can be, can be really useful and motivating for your team members, but we have to be careful not to set too many goals or set goals that incentivize the wrong behavior um, or things like that with expectations where we often don't do is we often don't say, Hey, here's what, here's what good looks like when you're hitting this expectation that I've articulated. Here's, here's why we're doing it. Here's the impact that it's going to have. And that's really helpful in, to, to motivate and to inspire the person to put work behind it. And then, you know, also thinking about what are examples to get there? What is an example of being proactive if you're setting an expectation that you want your team members to be proactive or what's an example of a great work plan or a great agenda you've seen from other team members before. And I think the important distinction and why many managers, especially new managers, don't set clear expectations is because they're being, they're really worried about being a micromanager and they're worried about being too, too up in their team members' business and, you know, we've all worked for bad micromanagers before or really bad micromanagers before. So a new manager says, I never want to do this. I never want to be a micromanager. And so what we don't end up doing is, is setting a clear expectation because we're so afraid of being a micromanager. And the distinction I like to make is that the micromanager tells you every single step along the way to achieving that goal or achieving that expectation, whereas a great manager sets a, you know, sets a vision, sets a goal, provides the tools and the resources for the employee to get there, but doesn't dictate every step along the way, allows the team member to figure it out on, you know, figure it out on her own and, and, and have the joy of discovering how to get someplace and, and failing a couple of times and trying out different things and, and, and figuring out what works well. And that's really motivating and really meaningful for, um, for an employee. Yeah, I love the distinction around micromanagement versus like appropriate management. And I've, I've used the concept of macromanaging as mm. the alternative, right? We're so afraid of micromanaging, and yet we don't often think about the flip side of that as being macromanaging, where we don't give enough information and we don't create enough structure where people start to feel like they're out there swimming and then they're not meeting the expectations and it's stress stressful for us all around not so dissimilarly than being stressful all around because you're you're being micromanaged. Yeah. So it's that it's that balance of having those clear expectations and giving enough but not too much to dictate like giving people being able to feel like they can really run with something and they have the freedom to learn uh, as they're going and not feel like they're swimming out in the middle of the ocean with no no one in sight. Yeah. So I, I want to connect this now um to this idea of feedback, right? Because the feedback experience, right? On the one hand, if the expectations aren't clear, it's kind of a pass in some ways to not always have to give feedback because, well, I didn't really explain what I wanted. So of course I didn't get what I wanted. But on the same time, you know, if soon as you 
set expectations, now when things come back wrong, you have an issue you have to deal with. Right now, I asked for this, it was late, I had a deadline and it was late, or I asked for it to mm-hmm. look like this and it doesn't look like this. And now I actually have to go in and have a real ish- real conversation because this person's not delivering. So talk to me about the the feedback process that you suggest. The first thing I attempt to convey with all managers, new and established, is that feedback is one of the biggest responsibilities of being a manager because of the potential harm you can do to a team member's career and a team member's job prospects when you don't give them feedback. So this idea of we think we're being nice because we're not giving constructive feedback, but it's exactly the opposite. We're then allowing people to continue with behaviors or ways of working that don't allow them to grow or might prevent them from flourishing in their jobs because we're afraid of being mean by having a hard conversation. And it's exactly the opposite. You can hold your team member back when you're not clear that, hey, it was really important that this uh, project come in on time. And here's why. Uh, so that it doesn't, you know, it, it, it doesn't prevent the, the, the team member from having a performance problem six months later because they've always been late with their project work. So that's the biggest thing um, that I want managers to uh, to remember is that it's just such an important part of your job and um, you could hold your team members back if you don't give this feedback. And then the other thing too is team members want to know where they stand in their work. And we create a whole bunch of anxiety for our team members when we don't tell them how they're doing. And then when when we do, when something does kind of reach ahead and we give them a piece of feedback and they think, why now? Why am I all of a sudden getting, getting this piece of feedback now? Um, six months later, after this issue happened, am I at risk of being fired? Is, is this a huge deal? And it becomes super demotivating for people. So I think the first message of feedback is just give it and give it frequently uh, because it's so important for a team member's growth. Yeah, I'm actually wondering if you've had a personal experience or if you've talked to people who have gotten a piece of feedback that was maybe really hard to hear in the moment, but ultimately was so useful and really helped them set themselves on a new trajectory. I mean, I I don't know how much time we have in terms of pieces (laughs) of feedback that I've gotten in my career that have been helpful. I mean, I just think about my first job. I, I, you know, when I, my first job was in consulting. And when I got in, I thought I was just an excellent consultant. And in reality, I passed things in late all the time. You know, I was very sloppy with PowerPoint decks, which are, you know, super important part of being a consultant. And I remember it would, it would just totally drive me bananas because all the boxes had to be left aligned on the PowerPoint deck and all the shades of red had to be similar throughout the slide deck. And I remember my manager saying to me, and he was great at giving feedback. He said, Rachel, the reason why I care so much about the slides being left aligned and the colors being the same for this presentation is because it demonstrates our attention to detail to the client. And if the client finds a typo or finds not aligned boxes on the presentation, they're then going to think that our huge financial model that we've spent months building might also have typos, might also have errors. 
So by making sure that our boxes are left aligned on our PowerPoint deck, we're giving them the confidence and the comfort that we are hyper attention to detail. And that's why I'm on you for your PowerPoint decks. And, you know, he was brilliant at giving feedback because once I understood the impact of my behaviors, it went from it being about me to it being about how I was affecting others, my team members, the client, the project. And it was just such a powerful shift and a powerful switch. And I was like, oh, okay, this isn't petty. This is really important. And yes, I'm going to align all my boxes on a PowerPoint slide. So great givers of feedback share how someone's behavior has an impact. uh, And that's what really resonates. And that's what really helps people to change. That is such a phenomenal story. And like really hits so clearly on the difference between micromanaging, right? And giving feedback that is meaningful, right? Like you could totally imagine a scenario where your boss is just like, you have to do it like this. You have to do it like this. And it's just like, oh, it's so annoying. They're like micromanaging how I do my slides. But as soon as it's put in that context of this is why you have to do it like this, it suddenly becomes not micromanaging, but actually connecting you to a, a deeper understanding of what it is that you're trying to deliver through that work. So that is just such a great example of good feedback giving yeah. and the difference between giving feedback and micromanaging. So yeah. thank you. That was a perfect story. Good, good, good. Okay. So let's dive into the third area of motivation, because this is a question I get a lot from listeners about like, how do I get my team to actually like want to do their work? How do I inspire them and how do I motivate them? How do I get them to like actually deliver what they're supposed to deliver? So this is a huge pain point. So just tell me everything. (laughs) Well, you know, I think the first thing is that often we think about motivating our team as a collective and this idea of, I have to motivate my team um, or I have to motivate my organization And with motivation is each of us is motivated by slightly different things. We each have a different motivation profile. So I, you know, Rachel, I might be motivated by a need for affiliation, which is I'm really motivated by being part of a community and being part of a team. And so I get really inspired and jazzed up when I work on projects um, as a collective or when you, you know, when my manager gives me um, a task that's cross-functional, and I end up, you know, staying at companies and staying at jobs because I love the the team and the community around me. Whereas, you know, you might be motivated by a need for achievement, which is a need to constantly be building new skills, and uh, you know, promotions really matter a lot to you. Um, and, you know, accomplishing tasks and crossing things off the list, that could be really motivating, uh, motivating to you. So the first thing in terms of motivation that I encourage managers to do is understand the unique motivation profile of each of your team members. And then you can tailor how you motivate based on that profile. And what often happens is we do something like we give someone a promotion And we think that this is going to be the end all and be all in terms of motivation for them. And they're excited, but they're not that excited. That's not their driver. Or what happens even more frequently is we give someone more money as a motivator. 
And then we don't get the desired outcome in terms of, you know, them being, you know, really excited or grateful or things like that, because money isn't the primary motivator. So I think the first most important thing to remember with motivation is that everyone is motivated differently. And as a manager, figure out how each of your team members, what drives them and what motivates each of them specifically. So is this something that you think managers do by observation or do they just sit down and have a conversation and say like, what's, what's your motivation profile? You know, what, what it gets you excited? How do you actually figure those things out as a manager? I do it a couple different ways. So as a first step, one of my favorite interview questions is what do you love most about your current job? And you can actually learn a lot when people respond to that question. So you get people who say, oh my gosh, I love, I'm, I'm always learning new things in my role. Or you get the person who says, I, I just love my team. It's going to be really hard to leave my team. When a whole bunch of other answers. So that's as a first step, just as like a, an initial kind of like piece of data that you can get around how someone's motivated. I also um, have a conversation in a form that's a, you know, I call it the motivation intake form. And really it's a conversation starter uh, with a new team member to start to understand which projects, you know, working on which projects make you happiest. You know, what do you, what do you love about your current role? Questions like that to just start a discussion um, and where you can start to learn, okay, if I give this person more responsibility or, you know, managing a direct report, this is going to be really inspiring and motivating to them as opposed to someone who says, I really, you know, I just love learning as much as I can about different parts of the company, you know, and you can think, okay, well, I'm going to give this person this type of work or, or rewards in this way, because that's what they love. So, and then of course, in observing and in getting to know someone, you'll also learn, but I, I do a couple of those, those things. I, ask the interview question. I have that initial conversation with the motivation intake form and then observation to build that profile of, of what's going to work in motivating this team member. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. And because we're going to run out of time here in a minute, is there one area that we haven't yet talked about that you think can be like the, the easiest, the lowest hanging fruit, like the one thing that every manager could do differently tomorrow that you know, would just change how they manage themselves or how they show up as a boss each day? It's a great question. If this is like picking your favorite child um, <laughs> in terms of what, what skill, but I would say listen more. So often as managers, we fill the space, we try to put forward solutions, we tell our teams what to do. And, you know, as you go into the office tomorrow, think about can I listen more to what my team members are saying and, you know, ask them, ask them what they want or how they're doing and, and truly listen. And, and we can just learn so much when, when our team members are telling us, Hey, this is where you could be doing better. So we can listen to their feedback or listen to the problems that, that, that they're facing with their work or, or how to get better and, and things like that. Um, as opposed to always feeling like we need to fill the space as a manager. I love that. And I've, been practicing listening for a long time because I've had a couple of guests who've talked about the importance of listening and creating 
comfort with silence and just sitting. And it's so funny because now that all, all of our meetings are on Zoom, it, the silence on Zoom actually feels like worse in some ways than silence in, in person. And so I count to 10 in my head before I like jump in because I'm really trying to create space for people to to say what they want to say, but maybe they either need time forming it or they just aren't totally confident, but then they'll get uncomfortable with the silence. So then they'll speak up. And it's hard sometimes as a manager to like hold back your own thoughts, but really creating hard. that space for people to speak and then really being in listening mode is so powerful. So definitely shout out for, for that skill set, of course. All right. So we are out of time now. So sad. So Rachel, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person so fantastic? Yeah, I would say an incredible manager I had was this CEO of a think tank startup that I worked for, this woman, Diana, and she was just an incredible force in her own right, um, successful, confident, empowered others. And what really stuck with me in terms of her skill as a manager was when I was thinking about leaving my role working with her. You know, I had been with the organization for a number of years and I felt like I was, you know, bumping up against a, a ceiling in terms of my skill development. And I I went to her and I, I shared with her that I was thinking about leaving. And just the fact that I was able to share that with her can tell you a little bit about the trust that she inspired and she built with me over the years of managing me. And her grace and her confidence in having the conversation with me about whether or not it was the right choice for me to leave and, and find a different job, I thought was incredible because she focused on me as a person first, as opposed to me as a role filling a number of activities in her organization, which I knew that you know, with me leaving, it was going to create a hole and it was going to be a pain in the neck to recruit and all of that kind of stuff. But in the conversation, she put me front and center in the organization second and, and helped give me the, the space and the guidance uh, around what was going to be best for, for me and my career. And then was incredibly excited and supportive of me leaving. And I just think it's such an incredible reminder of we should be excited when our team members find jobs outside our organizations that um, help their careers and, and uh, you know, help them develop because that reflects wonderfully on us as managers that our team members are able to go out and do these great things. And, and what I try to share with folks is it means more people are going to want to work for you because they'll know that you're a developer of talent, you're a developer of people. And you you send people off to do other things that are great in the world. So Deanna really taught me that that lesson that um, I've just found so invaluable as I've managed people um, along the way. Oh, what a fantastic story. And what a great concept, right, of being a people developer. I love that. So where can people learn more about you, get a copy of your book, and keep up with your work? So I, uh, best place would be LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Rachel Pacheco. I, I post a lot there. Uh, that's where, you know, there's, there's links to my website and links to my book. So I would send people to, to LinkedIn. Um, it's Rachel Pacheco. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Again, huge shout out for your book. 
everyone should be getting a copy. Like it's just, it's so great. So much more in there. So many good practical how-tos. So thank you for writing it. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing. And thank you for talking with me today, Rachel. Likewise, it was a real pleasure to be here. I loved Rachel's book and I loved this interview. And Rachel has generously offered a discount for any member who wants to get their own copy of her book, Bringing Up the Boss. Become a member today at the Sprout level or above to get this guest bonus. Sign up at themodernmanager.com slash join. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, which is at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rockstar boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.